0: Hey, what's going on everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you and we hope you enjoy the message today.
1: Well, good morning everybody. Welcome to South Valley and good morning to you online. We wanna come to our feet put our hands together and raise our voices. Give God some praise in all circumstances. God is worthy of praise. Amen, church. Come on. It's time to get loud for the Lord. Lift it up. I count on one thing The same God who never fails so Will not fail me now. You won't fail me Now and in the waiting Come on The same God who never fails Working all things out, working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Come on, come on. Yes, I will sing for joy. Come on. God in that phrase, will not fail me now, he won't fail me now, within the waiting, the same God who's never late, is working all things out, working all things out. Congratulations to college graduates. Some of you guys graduated from college. Just to be clear, parents of college students, they graduate and get older. We do not get any older, okay? Amen? All right. Hey, God is good. He's worthy of praise. We're going to sing this song. We want to lift it up together. Come on.
2: Don't worry.
3: I think you guys need to sing this. And we need to hear you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Do you believe that? Let's sing it out again. Lord, there
2: it's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Who I am. When I've seen many searching for answers, far and but I know that we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are You're perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways To us oh, it's a love so undeniable I, I can hardly speak He's so unexplainable As you call me deeper still, as you call me deeper still, as you call me deeper still still. into love, love, love. You're a good, good father. It's It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. are, and I'm, loved I'm by you. It's, it's who I am. It's, it's who life. I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who, you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am, you're a good, good father.
1: Book of Psalms, Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. This song is rooted in that, and it's a reminder that in all circumstances we are to sing praises to the Lord. The words in the third verse of this speak these things. When my end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending for 10,000 years and then forevermore. I pray that as we walk through life and we know Christ and we are a profession of that praise in all circumstances, that to the end of our days, with our last final breath, we are singing praise to the Lord. So this morning as we gather here, as you gather with us online, let every voice rejoice and give praise to our Heavenly Father, for He provided a way back to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, and that is worthy of all rejoicing forevermore. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like No. See, let's pay attention to the screen see what's going on.
4: Y'all can join us today. My name is Marcus, and on behalf of the staff, we're just super excited to have y'all here. And we hope that today blesses your heart and draws you nearer to the heart of God. Our mission here at South Valley is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we wanna make that process as simple as possible for you. So if you have not yet downloaded the Church Center app, you're gonna wanna go ahead and hit up your app store and do just that. It is a great resource to help you to take that next step in terms of your relationship with Jesus. For example, if you're new with us, we are excited that you're here and we wanna connect with you. And so if you wouldn't mind filling out the connect card that's online, just press, I'm new here in the app fill that out and we'll get in touch with you. You can check out the different uh, events that we've got going on. You could register for events. You can pre-register before bringing your kids to children's ministry. You can tithe. There's so many great things that you can do. We have our announcements also available. So go ahead and check it out, you guys. If you haven't done so, uh, make sure that you do. Also, we are heading into baptisms this next week on the 23rd of May. That's Sunday morning. It's going to be at 9 a.m. and ten forty-five. If you're interested in getting baptized, go on the Church Center app and click on Next Steps and sign up for that. Pastor Seth will hit you up, answer your questions, pray with you, get you ready for the big day. And we're going to celebrate, y'all. That's what it's all about, is celebrating those testimonies of lives changed. So we hope that you'll join us next Sunday for those baptisms. And then also we are participating in a changing babies campaign through the Crossroads Pregnancy Center where we are distributing uh, empty baby bottles, which we have available in the worship center lobby. And if you go ahead, fill those out uh, with just loose chains that you have or just a donation that you'd like to give, uh, you can bring them back to us on Father's Day. So in June, and we'll get that to Crossroads. If you're interested in knowing more about Crossroads or how you can support them and come alongside their efforts, uh, go ahead and visit their website and they'd be glad to support you with that information. Now, before we head into the rest of the service, we here at South Valley, we believe in the spiritual discipline of giving. It's a way for us to not only continue the operations of the the church here at SVCC, but most importantly, it's meant for us to come alongside the work that Jesus is doing to reach our community and reach uh, beyond our community. So we're going to put the options on the screen for you to be able to give. Uh, know that when you do give, that uh, you are changing lives, that you're building into the kingdom of God. And we pray that this is something that blesses you as you utilize this as another means to worship the Lord. You guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We love you, and we hope that this service blesses your heart. Y'all take care, and we'll see you soon.
5: Thank you, Marcus. It is good to see the building filled with the church. And, uh... We're delighted that you're here to worship and to praise and to uh, start your week off the the right way, orienting your hearts and your lives towards Christ and His will and path for your life. And I am delighted that uh, I get a Sunday off and I'm not preaching somewhere else, and Seth is preaching here this morning. But next Sunday morning, we are delighted that Ricky Hemi, our uh, senior pastor-elect is on his way here to preach to us next Sunday morning. So if you've never heard Ricky and you wanna meet your new senior pastor, you come next Sunday morning. And we are even more delighted that Ricky is the next senior pastor. And we're looking forward to his arrival in the summer. Uh, you know, I've known Ricky for a better time. And as I got to know Ricky and brought him here as a possible candidate, oh, this is over a year ago, I was just so much impressed with his heart. And uh, when I met him for the first time, uh, we were on a Zoom call and talking, uh, he'd been referred to me as a, as, as a guy who could be a possible next senior pastor. And as I'm meeting and talking and getting to know Ricky, uh, there was just something in my soul that said, he's the guy. This guy is the right guy for this church. And you know, I go around Northern California doing this with many churches. I think this is the 55th or the 56th church. Uh, that I've worked with to find new senior pastors. And Ricky just immediately, there was just something in my heart that said, his heart for care, his, his pastoral capacity to bring change in a pastoral way, his missional drive to see this church really focus on what is the main thing. And the main thing is reaching people with Christ, with his love, extending the kingdom of God and being the good news to a broken world. And so uh, I'm delighted that you guys, several weeks back, said yes to Ricky. I'm delighted that God said yes to Ricky and that Ricky's here and that Ricky said yes to God. Uh, So obviously, he's not here yet. He is here next Sunday, but then it's going to be a few more weeks till till he arrives in the middle of the summer. And he's preparing himself to come here. But South Valley Church, you need to prepare yourselves for him coming. And are you doing that? Are you on your knees in prayer saying, God, give us a new vision. Give us a, give us a mission and a calling that I will honor and obey. know, we're going to bring out some initiatives for you in the month of June because we're looking for more people to be core volunteers. We don't have children's ministry running at two services because there's not enough volunteers. That's appalling, guys. So, what's God doing in your soul as a new senior pastor comes, as a new senior pastor gets ready to lead, what are you doing to prepare yourself for that? And then financially, Marcus has announced the offering. The receptacles for them are at the doors as you, as you exit. We're not yet passing the plate. But are we a generous church still post-COVID? And we're ready for a new senior pastor to come and the new initiatives that he wants to do? Then give generously and be praying. Be praying for Ricky. Ricky be praying for his family, Carly and the kids, be praying for this church that as new leadership comes and with new leadership always comes change, get ready for it, be praying for it, be praying that you will receive it correctly and you'll be a part of leading forward for a new era of ministry. So exciting days ahead next Sunday. Ricky's here again. Come and hear him. Bring a friend to hear him. We'll put more more seats out. There's not a problem. We can fill the room nearly and uh, get ready for what God is going to do as Ricky arrives in the summer to be your next senior pastor. But that's next week and onwards. This Sunday is Seth, and he's going to come out and preach. But before he does that, would you bow your hearts with me and let me pray for Ricky, for the family, and for Seth as he gets ready to preach this morning. Let's pray. God, is a time of preparation. And in a, in a degree, Lord, you are preparing us, your people, for that great arrival to be the bride presented to you, spotless and perfect. But we're still a work in progress. And we ask God that in this time of preparation, that you would be preparing our hearts. Where there's disunity, bring unity. Where there's coldness of spirit, bring warmth. Where there's unforgiveness, bring forgiveness. Where there's a lack of grace and mercy, may grace and mercy overflow. Where there's idleness and apathy, may there be vision and energy, willingness and faithfulness. And may this church as it moves into this summer and the arrival of Ricky, Lord, may this church be ready to go, to go not just into all of Lamore and Kings County, but beyond and further, to see lives transformed with the power of Christ and the hope of the gospel. Come we pray and prepare each of our hearts for that journey and for that moment. We do lift to you, Ricky and Carly and the kids, We pray practically, Lord, find them the right house, settle them in in the right community, prepare their hearts as they leave family and friends to come not that far, but still far, to enter into a new community. Just be preparing their souls. We pray for us, God. Prepare us for what is about to come. And as that doesn't happen until the summer, We pray for these next many weeks. We pray for a strong finish through the school year. We pray for a good summer. And we pray, Lord, even now today, that you would meet us in this place. And we lift to you, Seth. We ask you, Lord, to take his words. He is but a messenger for the word of God. And we now believe that your word will be present. Your spirit will move. And if we listen, and if our hearts respond, we will encounter the presence of the living Word. And if we encounter that presence, life is different. Come and give us ears to hear and hearts to respond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Gilbert. So, uh,
0: good morning. You guys excited for, uh, for Ricky coming next week? All right. I am too, but this is my turn. No, I, I am excited, I'm I'm so glad that each of you are here this morning, whether, whether you're actually in the building or whether you're watching online. Uh, we want you to know that, that you're here this morning, not by accident. You're here this morning because God wants something for you, because he's passionate about you, and, and we as a church, we are just so excited about that. Now, let me ask you guys, do you, do you realize what time of year it is? Like, like we've, we've made it to this this really special time of year, and, uh, and, and I think that you all know what I'm talking about. It, it's that time of year that we all know really well where you open the door to your house for like .2 seconds and there's like 15 new flies in your house, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, and, and so to make this even better, my kids apparently have no idea how to close doors. Unless they're fighting, in which case they're very good at closing doors. Very effective closing door skills. Uh, they just, they apparently don't translate to any other time. And, and so Katie and I, my wife, we've been, we've been like harassing the kids to close the door. Just close it. I mean, they're just standing there with the door open. And we're like, close the door. Like, what are you doing? And, and so my daughter is terrified of flies which is a little bit helpful. That's, that's helped us to make some progress. The problem is, the other day, she's coming in the house from the backyard, and, and see, her little brother Parker is following her, and that doesn't matter to her. See, she knows that mom and dad have told her that when she opens the door, that she needs to close it as quickly as possible because the flies will come in the house. You can see where this is going. So I watch her open the door and I watch Parker's head enter the threshold and she just slams the sliding glass door on that poor kid's noggin. Now, now see, when she sits down and looks at the textbook of rules that mom and dad constantly make and change, she can see that she did in fact follow the rules, right? She followed the rules. She opened the door. She closed the door. But we know that she didn't actually do the right thing, right? See, sometimes following the rules is confusing, isn't it? Sometimes we just, we plug along in our lives thinking that we're doing all the right things and we think that we're doing all the things that we're supposed to be doing when we're actually so far off from the actual intentions of the rules. So, today we're going to be looking at a passage where Jesus talks about rules. And, uh, and if you grew up in church, you, you're probably familiar with this passage, at least to some extent. And some confusion around the rules. And so, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, we're going to be in the book of Mark and uh, if you find your way to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, if you see Luke or John, you went too far, go back. And uh, so Mark chapter 12, and starting in verse 28, we'll have it on the screens as well, it reads this. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, let me give a little bit of backstory to this. What exactly is going on here? See, Jesus has just given a parable to this massive crowd of people. And then the religious elite have some questions for Jesus. Now, now these are the people who hated Jesus the most. These are the people who are most deeply offended by the things he's talking about. These are the people who would ultimately plot to put him on the cross. And so they're working to try and trick him. And they knew that if this guy was who he claimed to be, that he could not get any question wrong ever, right? So they asked him the hard questions. They asked him the questions that they hoped no one would ask them, right? And they started by asking Jesus after the parable, they started by asking him about paying taxes. They asked, they're like, hey, Jesus, so the Romans are oppressing us, and they're taking our money and using it against us, and we're God's people. So, how do you feel about paying taxes? And then after that, they asked him, Okay, okay, well, now what about hypothetical story? There's a woman who gets married and, and her husband dies. And and according to the old testament law, her brother or his brother, excuse me, his brother should marry her to help raise the children in the family. And this happens seven times, Jesus. So in your supposed resurrection, who's she married to? These are good questions, but I'm not gonna give you the answer because they're in Mark 12. You can go read them later. Now Jesus, he, he absolutely schools these guys on both of these questions. And now the scribes have a question. These are the guys that know the law they know what we call the Old Testament. And so they've got a tough question for him. So they ask him, which of the commandments is the greatest? And see, this is tough because when when you think commandments, you think back to the Big Ten, right? The Ten Commandments. So we're, we're dealing with how we have relationship with God and how we have relationship with people. And when you weigh that out, What's more important? Not saying the Lord's name in vain, which is relationship with God, or not murdering, right? So, what's more important? Not, not murdering people or your relationship with God. And so, so, then the Israelites, they've made a ton more laws on top of this. And they, they go and they keep making laws because as things come up, they've got to make sure that society doesn't spiral into chaos. And at the, at the foundation of this, here's what's happening. Their question was founded in trying to trap Jesus. They wanted to know, Jesus, of these Ten Commandments, which one's the most important? See, because they were trying to trick Jesus into picking one of these Ten Commandments. Because then they've got an easy rebuttal, right? He picks one and they say, okay, well, what about this one? There's ten of them. This is an easy rebuttal for Jesus, It would have been so easy for them to trip up Jesus on this if he had picked one of the ten. But he didn't. We see his answer still in Mark 12, now in verse 29. It says, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, I wanna make sure that, that we're careful not to miss something that's going on here. Because it's, it's really easy for us to just pick up the Bible and, and read it straight through and just think that you know some things are encouraging, some things are weird, some things are confusing, some things are beautiful, right? And, and, and what's, what's incredible is even as we read like this, the Bible is still, this, this text that still has the ability to change lives even as we read it that way. But there's so much more depth to it. There's so much more to be found that church, frankly, I just love you too much to let you miss it. So see, do me a favor, we're going to put on our, our ancient Hebrew hats for a second. You don't actually have to like, do the thing like we used to do in school. But for a moment, I, I want us to see that Jesus is doing something very intentional here. He's doing something to make his words carry so much more weight than what we initially see at face value. Let me explain it to you this way. If I were to say this one small phrase never forget. See, instantly there are memories and feelings associated with the phrase. Your your mind's eye captures these two great American towers. Your heart aches. You instantly remember September 11th, 2001, just like it was yesterday. And all I had to say was never forget because that means something to our culture, right? That means something to our people. There are deep emotions and memories associated with that phrase because we truly couldn't forget even if we wanted to. So when Jesus begins his answer with the phrase, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, the religious elite are already stunned. Right? They, they already know exactly where Jesus is going with this. They already know the weight of the words that he's stating. They realize that he is coming up with the absolute perfect answer. So let me explain this. See, when what Jesus was doing is he was beginning to quote what's called the Shema. Everybody say Shema. Okay, the Shema is it's this incredibly important Hebrew prayer. And Shema, is, it's, a, it's actually a Hebrew word that's actually based on the first word in the phrase here, which is to hear or to, to listen up, right? It's more than just audibly hearing something, though. Shema is this idea of you hear something and you follow through with obedience. You hear it and you follow through. It, it does something to you. You can't just hear it and walk away. That's what this prayer is all about. So as you can imagine, there's tons of context wrapped up in this little phrase. So let's hit the rewind button a few thousand years here. And let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, we read this. might look familiar. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses. And on your gates. You see it, right? You you see what Jesus was quoting here, right? Okay, one of you does. You see what Jesus is quoting here, right? Okay, I'm just making sure you're still with me. See, and the best part is that Jesus is faced with this question about the Ten Commandments, right? And then he answers this way. If you go back and look at Deuteronomy 6, you'll see right before this is Moses with the Ten Commandments. It's the same context. He just got in front of all of Israel and gave these commandments. And after giving them all of these laws, he gave them this command in regard to following those laws. And see, here's the key. You cannot truly follow God if you do not truly love God me say that again. You cannot truly follow God if you do not truly love God. And Moses and Jesus both absolutely understood that true love for God was the necessary component to following the rules. See, you can follow the rules and be left with having accomplished absolutely nothing in your life if you do not have love. If you guys don't know who Bob Goff is, I, uh, I highly encourage you to find out because he is absolutely the most interesting man in the world. And, and I, I genuinely mean that. But in his book, Love Does, he writes this story about a kid named Ryan. And this is, this is hands down my favorite chapter in the book. If you haven't read it, I recommend go get it. It's not heavy reading by any means. Very easy to read. But see, in this story, in this chapter, Ryan and Love Bob tells a story. He, he lives right up against a bay, and people will often, they'll walk down the path of the bay near his house, and, and he and his wife will sit out on the porch, and they'll wave to people as they walk by, and uh, then Bob tells the story of this one kid who comes by, and he waves at them, and they wave back, and he just, kid just keeps waving and waving, and Bob's like, okay, I guess I'll go get up and introduce myself, so he goes over and talks to the kid, and And here's the short story. see, Ryan, when Bob introduces himself, he says, hi, my name's Ryan, and I'm in love. And he asks Bob, who is a total stranger, if he can propose to his girlfriend in Bob's backyard. Bob says yes. He lets him do it. Ryan runs away blissfully happy, but see, there's this theme in the story where this, this Ryan coming and asking questions like this keeps happening over and over. So Ryan comes back another day, and he asks if they can have dinner on the back porch before he pops the question. Now, if, if you know anything at all about Bob Goff, you know that his answer will always be yes. So he says yes. Ryan comes back another day, and he asks if he can have some friends to serve them the dinner. And Bob asks, how many, how many friends do you need to, to serve the dinner? And Ryan kind of shyly says... No, twenty. And Bob in his mind is like, You need 20 people in my house to serve dinner for two? Sure, why not? So then Ryan comes back another day and he asks if if when the friends leave, if Bob can put out some speakers on the back porch for the couple to dance to. Of course, Bob says yes. A few days go by and, and Bob hasn't seen Ryan and he starts to get a little worried. But a couple days later, finally, he sees a figure in the distance, and he sees this kid running towards his house. And Ryan sprints all the way to Bob, and he gets there, and he's panting, and he's out of breath, and he's asked Bob, he says, do you have a boat? A boat? Do I have a boat? Yeah, I've got a boat. So Ryan asks Bob if he can borrow the boat to to go out on the bay so that he can propose on the bay. And and Bob, at this point, he's like, look, I'm this far in already. Like, I'm in it. And there's no backing out now. And and he decides, you know what? Ryan shouldn't have all the fun. So after Ryan leaves, Bob gets on the phone and calls a friend at the Coast Guard. And so ultimately what ends up happening is they, they have the dinner, they get on Bob's boat, they go out to the place where Ryan and Bob agreed, and Ryan has 50 friends on the shore who use candles to spell out, will you marry me? And as soon as she says yes, the coast guards who had snuck up on them and their fireboats start spraying their water cannons into the air to celebrate with the young couple. And it's, it's this really cool story, but I want to read a quote from this story in the book. After Ryan asks Bob if he can borrow the boat, Bob writes this, quote, Ryan was out of control. He had no idea what an outrageous thing he was asking. But you see, to Ryan, I wasn't a total stranger. No one was. To him, the whole world was full of co-conspirators when it came to winning over his love. He was completely unaware of and unimpeded by what was proper, what was acceptable, what was conventional. Nothing was going to get in the way of what he decided to do, Unquote. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you love God? Do you really love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Because because I've learned for myself that, that sometimes I can get into these rhythms of following the right rules and doing the right things, but we haven't actually learned to fall in love. We haven't actually given over our affections. One more quote from the book, Bob writes, quote, I used to think being in love was the greatest thing to think about. But now I know that love is never satisfied just thinking about it, unquote. See, see, I get it. The love of God is overwhelming. It's truly incredible. And, And I am in awe of the fact that not only does God love me, but how much he could love someone like me. And yet simply meditating on that love won't satisfy me because we're called to participate in that love, to love back with everything that we have to offer. And and this is why when we go back to Deuteronomy 6 and we look at the Shema, this is why when Moses is writing out the words of this prayer, there are action steps. See, we, we may be familiar with this passage from Jesus quoting it in Mark 12, but when Jesus quoted it, those who were listening would have had all of the context of Deuteronomy 6 swirling in their minds. They would have recalled the action steps associated with this passage. Moses commands the generations to teach generations. And listen, we just celebrated Mother's Day last week, and I am so thankful for mothers. But I want to say that I also see those of you who are mothers in the church, and what I mean is those of you who, whether or not you have your own kids, have poured out your heart and soul into the next generation for them to be passionately in love with Jesus. We see you, and we celebrate you. Amen. Church, this is, this is what it's all about. It's an understanding that you are pressing so deeply into loving God that you can't help but overflow into those around you, becoming mothers, fathers, grandparents in the faith, leaving this legacy of the supreme value of Christ. There's something remarkably powerful about those who in the church are are so in love with God that they can't help but pour themselves out into the next generation. See, I've had this crazy opportunity through the pandemic that, that I've received a couple phone calls out of the blue from people who, no church background, no church affiliation, in the pandemic, picked up their Bible, started reading, and met Jesus. And they called because they're like, hey, I, I want to find out what's my next step. What do I do from here? And, and this is incredible. It's humbling. But this doesn't happen most of the time. Most of the time, it's from people seeing how deeply in love we are with God to say, hey, I want, I want something to do with that too. But Moses also has some other action steps. He calls the people of Israel to write these words on some pieces of paper and to tie them to their foreheads and their hands. Now see, I know that some of you are familiar with the book of Revelation because we're friends on Facebook. And, and you're concerned about the mark of the beast. And I'm not gonna talk about that. That's fine. That's another Sunday. I'll let Ricky tackle that. But listen, Did you know that that came from the people of God first? That is ours, church. This idea was a complete allegiance to God. All of your affections are being fully poured into the God of the Bible. Your thoughts are consumed by him. Your actions are motivated by him. You're like Ryan. You're so wildly in love that you just see the world full of co-conspirators and your wild passion to love God with all that you are. Imagine if we lived like that. Imagine if the heart of the church was loving God. And I know that sounds simple, but we're so distracted sometimes. There are so many other things that we're getting excited about that I genuinely believe that oftentimes we are forgetting to love God. Honestly, when's the last time you sacrificed because of your love for God? I, I mean, sure, you, you got up and you came to church this morning. Or maybe you just got up and turned it on if you're watching online. I don't know, you could be in your home in bed in your pajamas eating cereal and watching this. I'm not judging you, I'm just saying. That might be where I would be. But, but listen, I, I'm talking about true sacrifice. What selfish gain have you given up because you truly love God with all that you have. Because we live in such a jacked up world that we're constantly faced with a reality that's saying to us, you do you. Do whatever makes you happy. Follow your heart, right? And here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm begging you, church. Allow Jesus to redefine what makes you happy allow Jesus to redefine who you are. So I want to go back to where we started this morning, where Jesus is being questioned by the religious elite, and instead of answering them with one of the Ten Commandments, he actually quotes this prayer, the Shema, to them. And Jesus gives them this answer, and one teacher responds this way in Mark 12, 32. He says, "Well, Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding and with all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You are not far from the kingdom of God. How sad to be so close and not actually there. You can know the rules. You can follow the rules. You you can do all of the right things, but at the end of the day, unless you actually love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is going to be the same response you hear from God. Uh, Goodness, we may have wise answers. And goodness, you may be so close to the kingdom of God. But without love, without love, you're not there. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians. We we know the passage from chapter 13. We hear it read at weddings often where he talks about all the different attributes of love, but he starts that passage by saying that he can do all of the right things, but without love, he's just obnoxious. And I need you to understand this, church. What is not being said is to be a loving person. That's far from what's being said. There's one more passage I want to share with you today because many of us have a tendency to, to skim over or skip the very end of New Testament letters if we're reading them. And so we miss things like how Paul brings some clarity to what he was talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. And, and he does this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 at the very end where he's saying, hey, say hi to this person, this person, this person says hi to you. Right in the middle of that, 1 Corinthians 16:22, Paul says this. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. You know, there there are passages in the Bible that I don't love to read because they're so heavy. They're so hard to hear. But church, I love you too much for you to not hear this. Paul wrote this because he's, he's looking at a church, he's writing to a church That he knew was a church that was claiming allegiance to Jesus, but wasn't actually giving over their affections. They didn't actually love him. And unfortunately, I'm certain that some of us are in that same boat this morning. Just like the man who answered Jesus, you may have the right answers. You may know your Bible inside and out. You may know the rules and you may follow them the best that you can. But do you really love Jesus? See, this is why I said a couple weeks ago that you can't just dip your toes in the waters of Christianity. You're either all in or you're all out. You either love God with every fiber of your being or you don't. And this is what I've learned. You could never even begin to fathom the love that Jesus has for you. Even if you wanted to, you could not comprehend the love of a God who was betrayed by his own people to take our punishment in our place on a cross. You could not comprehend that love. You are loved, you are valued, you are cherished beyond your wildest dreams. But just as I quoted from Bob Goff before, to simply think about being loved is not enough. We have to allow the love of Jesus to propel us into love for Jesus. And this isn't just a switch that gets flipped. It's a practice. It consumes your life. How many of you are familiar with unmet expectations? All right, we got a bunch of liars in church. (laughs) I am familiar with unmet expectations. And my whole life... I recall parents talking about when they became parents and the moment they held their baby, right? And they just were so wildly in love. They didn't know that they could love another human being as much as they did right now. And and I recognize that I may be in the minority here, but I remember the first time I held my children, every single one of them. I remember holding them, looking at them, looking, looking directly into their eyes and thinking all right, I've got another one to take care of, like it's just business as usual. I wasn't overwhelmed with that love, and and I even, I actually sought out help for that, because I I thought that maybe I'm broken, maybe I'm a bad dad, maybe there's something wrong with me because everybody said it was supposed to be this way, and that's not what I'm feeling. So I, I sought out a therapist, and I was told to practice, practice loving my kids, practice holding my babies, practice feeding them, practice staring into their eyes. It wasn't something that just, that just happened immediately for me. I, I'm, I have a tendency to be a very emotionally disconnected person, and that, that leads to moments like these where I'm holding my baby and not feeling all the things that I was promised by the world that I would be feeling. So in regards to loving my children, I had to practice I had to practice showing overt emotions and actions to develop that intimate relationship. But church, if you gave me another hour or more, listen, I wouldn't have enough time to tell you how much I love my kids. I I can be one of those parents now that said I had no idea how much I could love another human being. It just didn't happen immediately for me. It took practice. And Paul and I are both begging you here, learn to love Jesus, learn to love him with everything that you have. Take the time to be present with him, even if it's weird at first. It takes time, and I promise you that it's worth it, because simply thinking about being loved will never be enough. Jesus is inviting each of us into the most perfect and intimate relationship and the most perfect and intimate love that we could ever experience. But it's not something for us just to sit in. It's something to be reciprocated. Because that's how love works. It took me sacrificing self to overtly show my children that I love them to get where I am now. And what I'm asking of you is where can you sacrifice self to press into a love for Jesus this morning. So here's how I want to close this out, and I, I realize that this may be a little unorthodox, but we're still going to pray to close out this service just like we would always do. But I want to begin by each of us praying together the words from the Shema that Jesus quoted in Mark 12, to pray that for ourselves, that Jesus would lead us into a love for him. And then if it's all right, I'd love to pray for you. So let's go ahead and stand this morning, and I'll begin the prayer, and I'll let you just repeat after me. Let's pray. Dear God, you are the one true God. Help me to love you with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my mind and with all of my strength. May I pray for you, Church. Jesus, we are so thankful for who you are. We're thankful for your love and your passion for us. And Jesus, we just ask that you would be present with us this morning, whether in person or online. We, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be convicting each one of us to draw us into a deeper love for you, Jesus. Show each of us where is it that you would have us sacrifice self to love you deeper. We understand that that will be different for each of us, but we ask that you would show us how we can love you more. Give us the courage to take that step. Give us the strength. Empower us. Jesus, may we be a church that is passionately in love with you, that everything that we do is fueled out of love for you. And may that pour out into generations to come, into our community, into all of those around us, that they would see that if nothing else, we are a church, we are a people who love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus, we love you and we lay ourselves down at your feet. Do with us as you please. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. Have a wonderful week.